Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Tuesday edition of the show. Really excited for my favorite segment of the week, Takes on Takes. Kyle, welcome to the show. We back, Joe. We are still here live in person together doing Draft Dudes this week. What a time to be alive. And uh, before we get into the fans' takes, Joe, one of the things that we like to do at the top of each and every one of these podcasts is we like to break down some of the current events in the world of football. And uh, there was a very important game played yesterday in the world of football. Uh, It was the Draft Dudes 2018 My Ultimate Super Bowl. So if you guys missed this series that we ran, What Joe and I did is we went through and said for the 2018 NFL season, in each division, we chose our preferred lineups for one year to say, you know, we're picking Tom Brady in the AFC East because it's one and done. You don't got to worry about the long-term ramifications. Well, Madden came out last week, and your boy Kyle went out and bought Madden. And after it took him about three days to download it, (laughs) shout out to the PlayStation Network, Uh, We had this thing up and running, and while you're in town, we decided we wanted to take advantage and do the live simulation so that we could both be in person to watch the results play out on the screen. So, Joe, we each picked our preferred teams. You chose the NFC North, Green Bay, Detroit, Minnesota, and Chicago. I chose my team for the AFC South. Jacksonville Jaguars, Indianapolis Colts, Houston Texans, and Tennessee Titans. So we took the lineups that we had picked in this series, if you will, and uh, we created these rosters on Madden, and we put them head-to-head in the game, seven-minute quarters. We let the computer take control of the entire thing. We did not play any of it, correct? That's right. So that there's no question of skill here. It's, It's simply the computer playing against the computer, and we let the results play out. And I've really built up this this suspense here for about a minute and a half now explaining this because, Joe, I want your reaction to the Jacksonville Jaguars and Kyle Krabs' 2018 My Ultimate AFC South team defeating your Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl uh, by a score of 10 to 7. I want to apologize to our fans. You know, uh, we, we were, was a game that we felt like we were in control of the entire time. You were. Um, we, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers with two red zone interceptions, Mason Crosby with a missed field goal. Um, and then uh, also before the half, it was a 7-7 seven to seven game. 15 seconds left, ball about the six-yard line. Yeah. And uh, Rodgers throws one short of the goal line. We get tackled, no timeouts left, and don't even seize an opportunity to uh, – to kick the, the chip shot field goal to go ahead 10-7. So there were so many points in this game where uh, if one of those things doesn't happen, uh, you know, the, the Packers and my squad from the NFC North wins this game. But uh, it's it's uh, my team just made less mental mistakes, more mental mistakes than yours. And yeah. uh, now you're a Super Bowl champion, Kyle. Yeah, 
if ifs and buts were candy nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Well, That's what they're saying these days. And uh, the ifs and buts are, are is a long list for Joe Marino, <laughs> the AFC North team, or the NFC North team, Mike McCarthy in particular. Who Fired. You, you told me he wasn't even getting back on the bus. He wasn't allowed back on the bus. Wow. Yeah. Mike, we'd like to apologize for the long walk home, yeah. we assume, from Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is where this game was simulated at. But, yeah, it was kind of a nice little fun bow on the end of a series that we went through over the course of three weeks. And uh, tell you what, we were both sweating there for a while. Joe's brand was spread the field, sling the ball around. Kyle's brand was hard-nosed defense. Miles Jack probably had five pass deflections and uh, run the ball. And once we decided we were just going to run the ball and that was it, even if it was the backup in TJ Yeldon who got way more carries than he should have in this game. (laughs) With no fatigue. With no fatigue. He was still the third down and the uh, shotgun running back. So, lo and behold, uh, there you have it. Kyle wins. Joe, we do have one other piece of breaking news before we break into our last group of summer flings uh, covering the safety position, and that is uh, Hugh Jackson's handling of the Antonio Callaway situation, in which he's, he's come out and said pretty much, uh, I made Antonio Callaway play 54 snaps in the first preseason game as part of his discipline for his off-the-field transgressions that have uh, recently been unearthed. And I don't know about you, but this doesn't really feel like a whole lot of discipline as much as it just does like, okay, you know, he's acclimating to the NFL and we might suspend him with what else comes to life. So we want to get him his reps now. Yeah. Getting, uh, playing him in a football game and giving him an opportunity to produce his discipline. Yeah. That seems weird to me. I'm only interested in discipline. That's going to make him a better football player and a better person. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because the, the initial reports were somewhat, um, you know, not as not as severe once you kind of heard the rest of the story and, you know, the car was delivered to him with the marijuana and the bullets in there and he just didn't check it. It's it's either a problem or it's not, right? <laughs> so it, yeah. it doesn't really close the book here, in my opinion, and it's just an odd way to go about punishing somebody by making them play in a football game when they're a rookie and they need their reps. Like, what, what, what are we achieving here? And that's my question for Hugh Jackson. Well, I think for me personally, you just don't get – the moral or you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you're on strike number seven. Right. Right. Like, so there should be no gray area with whatever they choose to do, but Joe, let's go ahead and move on. We'll talk about this last positional group. We're talking about safeties that we have covered throughout the course of the season, guys that we really like and want to see continue to show out on film in 2018. Yeah. So uh, we're talking safeties. My guy is Juan Thornhill from Virginia. And I did a piece for him last week on the Draft Network. So go check that out and read read and watch more about what he can do. But uh, Thornhill is just a guy that really popped for me on film. Jaquan Johnson from Miami is, is the best safety in, in the ACC. But I just love Thornhill. He's a guy that was recruited out of high school to play safety. He wound up switching over uh, and playing a lot of corner, particularly last year as a full-time corner at, at the boundary. And uh, now he's kicking back to safety, and he's stepping into that Quinn Blanding role. That led to a ton of production for Blanding over his four seasons uh, as a Cavalier. But Thornhill's a guy that you have concerns about him at corner, but you those concerns are kind of gone once you put him at, at safety and let him keep things in front of him and play forward. And he's a guy that I think 
I just love how I love his physical traits in terms of his length, his his physicality, the way that he plays the game. You know, he's a big time fly into the box and make a tackle. He's a guy that I feel comfortable with lining up in man coverage over against tight ends and bigger slots. He makes good plays in the ball. Uh, he he has a good feel for coverage, whether it's uh, matching steps with with in man coverage or if it's spacing in zone. Just does really well to to really squeeze throwing lanes and. I just think he's a, as a very smart football player that has physical upside. And my concerns with him at corner is that he's just not super quick in terms of planting and driving, and his recovery speed's not very elite. And so you put him at safety, and, and those concerns are gone. And so uh, I look for him to be an ascending prospect and a guy that maybe not a lot of people know about right now, but come draft season, you're going to know about him, and you're going to want him on your team. Joe, you were kind of getting on me about Juan Thornhill a uh, little bit later than this time last year when you went to see Virginia, I think week Indiana. Said week two. two? Yeah, week yeah. two. And you were like, yeah, Juan, Thorn- Juan Thornhill really popped to me. So uh, definitely a player that's been on your radar for a while and uh, rooting for, you know, with what some of his limitations were, seeing those come into fruition at safety and kind of ha- allow him to take his game to the next level. Uh, my crush, uh, Big Ten safeties were hard because there's not a lot of options uh, with talented safeties in the Big Ten this year, but one that I think you'll see hasn't undergone a positional change yet, but eventually will, is Kaliki Hudson from University of Michigan. He plays the Jabril Peppers role in that Michigan defense and kind of a hybrid player. He gets a lot of reps on the end of the line of scrimmage as the last guy there. Benefits that from that in a lot of free rushes and his quickness and ability to flatten down the line of scrimmage. Uh, that shows him at the run game and as a pressure player. And uh, he moves well in space. He's a great pursuit player. Uh, he's six foot 205. So this is not a linebacker as much as they want to play him in the box and they can take advantage of that at the college level. That's not where his home is going to be in the NFL. So I, I look at the athletic traits that he has. I look at the tackling skills that he has. I look at his nose for the football and his ability to uh, work around traffic and be effective in that regard and be a support player. There's some stuff to like here. There, there's a nice little foundation with Hudson at Michigan. Uh, it's just the question of where is he in pass coverage, and those are things that I'm really going to be putting Hudson under the microscope with this year, looking for more more opportunities to see him off that five-yard window inside the line of scrimmage and you know, be forced to be an athlete in space and show anticipation and uh, route recognition skills, whether that's in man-to-man or zone coverage. Uh, so he's got something to prove this year. But Hudson would be my guy in the Big Ten if I was going to pick somebody to point to in, in the crop of potential safeties to say, this guy's got something that can really, really develop into a nice football player down the line. Kyle, that's a ribbon tied on Summer Fling Series. So another one Done. that we put behind us. And so hopefully you guys are enjoying these mini series that we're doing, and we'll have to be thinking very quickly yeah. about what to do next. So yeah. we'll have no something, pressure. We'll have something lined tomorrow. up for you uh, by tomorrow. Uh, it's time for my favorite part of the week, Kyle. It's takes on takes. It's a, it's my favorite because we get to take the time to react to your hottest football takes. NFL draft, college football, NFL. We put out a tweet each Monday <clears throat> to solicit those takes, and it's time for us to react. And you don't get to chirp back. We 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 have the yeah. floor, so it's it's kind of a dirty little little trick that we play here. But certainly appreciate some of the outstanding takes that were sent in to us. And uh, we're not worried about hurting your feelings. So if we no. think your take is bad, we are going to let you know right now. All right, let's dig in. Let's do it. 
Go ahead. All right, so the first one here comes from Joshua Ryan Morgan. He says, DeAndre Francois, that's the Florida State quarterback that had a good season two years ago, got hurt against Alabama in the uh, in the opener and missed the entire season. Now he's in, in a competition here with Justin Blackman to be the starter for the Seminoles this year. And so the, the take is DeAndre Francois should have transferred and could have had people talking about him as a first-round prospect I like some things about DeAndre Francois. Obviously, the dude took a beating playing against a horrendous Florida State offensive line. It's been bad for a while, and it's getting worse, it, it seems. Um, and so Francois, I mean, he just took a beating, and, I, and to his credit, he just kept getting up and delivering. And um, I do think some of that is on him. I think he was guilty of holding the ball a bit and, and, and inviting some of that pressure. But uh, for me, for, for Francois to really kind of ascend and be – a first-round type quarterback, I think it's going to come down to him becoming a bit more of an accurate thrower. I want that ball placement to be a little bit more precise. Um, My favorite thing about Francois outside of his toughness is that I think he actually is a a sharp mental processor. I think he sees the field really well and understands where the defense is going to be soft and and where to go with the football. I just need him to put it where it needs to go more consistently. So uh, could he rise? Absolutely. Would a transfer be the reason He's going to be a first-round pick. I think he can get that done at Florida State. We've seen that. Their last two quarterbacks have been first-round picks, E.J. Manuel and Jameis Winston. So we'll see. I think he's got some 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 ground to cover here to, uh, to, to improve some of his weaknesses, but I do think he has some upside. Yeah, I actually really like Francois, and uh, I thought the last couple games that they played in 2016 showed the best of his abilities. I was really impressed with his play against Michigan, uh, his play against Florida, I thought he was really, really impressive uh, in that regard. But uh, I'm not holding anything that he did against Alabama against him because the man was running for his life, right? So, as Joe said, first round catalyst of a transfer. I'm, I'm with you. I think this is something that that he could accomplish even still at Florida State, depending on how he plays from here on out. Joe's Pool Hall has a good one for us to crack into here on Draft Dudes. Joe got a little wet there, I apologize. <laughs> uh, Michigan State and Iowa in the Big Ten title game for a playoff spot. My friend, I am absolutely here for the Michigan State love. I think this team's going to be very, very good. They're bringing back a lot of good starters on both sides of the football. Obviously, I've talked quite at length about Brian Lewerke, and they're bringing back both of their starting wide receivers and LJ Scott and uh, four out of five on the offensive line. As a matter of fact, center Brian Allen is the only starter on the offensive line or the entire offense. That's not back next year for Michigan state. And uh, defensively, they got Kenny Wilkes. They've got Joe Batchy jr. They got Justin Lane, David Dow. Uh, So there's some football players on this football team. So I can see things materializing for Michigan state, but I want to know how Iowa's getting in past Wisconsin. That's a little wild for me because, I, again, I'm super high on Wisconsin. I can see Iowa winning 9-10 football games. They got some talent. I like Nathan Stanley a whole bunch too, uh, relatively. Don't don't be putting my words in my mouth and, and telling folks I'm saying Nate Stanley's first-round quarterback. But uh, I just don't see Iowa getting in past Wisconsin considering Wisconsin's got a pretty soft schedule this year in the Big Ten. 
Kyle, you spent the summer watching the Big Ten. Yeah. I, I am not going to add or take uh, away you're, from you're anything. Hard pass. Uh, well, I, I I didn't see Wisconsin as one of the representatives, so I have a hard time with that. You've been pumping up Michigan State for a while. Obviously, you know Penn State's in that division. So is Michigan. So is Ohio State. You know I, you, that's a tough field to get through. Yeah. You know, so uh, I'm going to say that I disagree with this, but um, I, I will defer to your expertise in the Big Ten right now. Ryan K has a strong one here. He says Deshaun Watson is extremely overrated and Mahomes and Trubisky will be better. You wild. You wild, Ryan. Uh, let me say this. If you are saying that Deshaun Watson is overrated because you, the expectation is that the pace that he was on is something that continues. Yeah, the status quo. That, that's, that's just not going to happen. If it is, then let's cancel the five-year wait for the Hall of Fame and put him in there the day after he retires because what he did was unbelievably rare, not only for a rookie, but for any quarterback in the NFL. So if that's your expectation, then yeah, he's overrated. But what he did show in that sample size was showing that his game is going to work in the NFL level. And the way that he dominated college football for, what, two, three seasons is something that's going to work in the NFL. And, um, I'm optimistic that he's going to continue to rise and be one of the upper echelon quarterbacks. Now, saying that Mahomes and Trubisky will be better is is something that I'm not overly eager to say that I agree with that. I think if you look at my personal draft board, I had Trubisky as a higher rated prospect than Watson. So, you know, I, I think that there's there's a ceiling there that I'm excited about. But Mahomes is a guy that I think has a lot to prove. His physical tools are really exciting, but we need to see it. And there's been some reports out of camp that he's throwing a lot of interceptions and, and that is camp. And those are reports, but it is something to be mindful of. Obviously Andy reading company felt good enough about moving on from Alex Smith and giving him the keys to the car this off season. But I, I'm, I'm going to say that I don't agree with this statement as a whole, but I think that Trubisky has the upside to make a push here. And so does Mahomes, but for all of this to be true, I'm not buying that. Yeah. A couple of dominoes have to fall right for that yeah. one to come into reality. Uh, speaking of wild takes, Chris Schubert, Good friend of the program. Uh, Chris Schubert told us yesterday on social media that West Virginia's David Sills is the best wide receiver in college football. Chris, lean a little closer, buddy. Go watch Kelvin Harmon from NC State. Ahmad Richards from Miami. Uh, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf from Ole Miss. Uh, I don't think David Sills would be the third best wide receiver on Ole Miss. Ooh, strong. You know, they, they, I mean, that team's got some talent. Debo Samuel from Debo South Carolina. Debo Samuel from South Carolina. Stanley Morgan Jr. from Nebraska. Nikhil Harry, even, <laughs> perhaps. A.J. Brown from Ole Miss. A.J. Brown from Ole Miss. I told you. Yeah. Sills, I don't, Sills is second or third or fourth best wide receiver on Ole Miss. Uh, Sills has production. Sills, go, Sills is going to have a ton of production again. It's by design. It's in part due to what his physical abilities will allow. Uh, he's very impressive in that regard and that this is a guy that was a quarterback recruit, switched back over to wide receiver, put up like 18 touchdowns last year. Big 12 spacing, uh, he needs to send a fruit basket to some of the defensive coordinators for the holidays this year and as a thank you because David Sills <laughs> ate on bad defensive back play and poor game awareness in the secondary quite frequently in the Big 12. So Chris... David Sills might have the best production in college football, given his touchdown catches. But the best receiver in college football, I'm not buying. All Still right. not buying. Dietz says, 
Oh, this is strong. This is strong. Aaron Rodgers stays healthy all year. But Minnesota and Chicago make the playoffs. This this is a man who's not remembering Aaron Rodgers and what he does when he's healthy. That dude shows up and and uh, you know he you win ten games because he's your quarterback. Now I love Minnesota. I think that the makeup of that team is really exciting. That defense with Kirk Cousins and and Thielen and Diggs and Cook and not so great on offensive line, but everything else is in place there. I I love the makeup of that team, and I think that Minnesota and Green Bay will likely be playoff teams this year. But to think that a healthier Aaron Rodgers is not enough for for them to keep Chicago out of the play. I don't know. I, I think she, I, I think everyone's a year early on Chicago. Do I think that Chicago can win six, seven, eight games, be competitive, show a lot of growth? Yes. But I'm not going to take up Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy, and the Green Bay Packers and a team that we know what they're capable of when Rodgers is in the lineup. Yeah, so uh, here's the games in which Aaron Rodgers has started 15 or 16 games in his – NFL career, uh, the win-loss totals, first year as a starter, 6-10. and 10. That was 2008. That's 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. In the full season since, Rodgers has gone 10-5, 14-1, 11-5, 12-4, 10-6, and 10-6. And 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 10 wins is the floor yep. for a fully healthy Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers. Defense is better, too. And the defense is better. They've invested heavily in the secondary. Mohamed Wilkerson. Mohamed Wilkerson's there up front. So, yeah. Um, unless you're anticipating on everyone except for the division winner in the NFC South staying at home for the playoffs in January, then I can't fully agree with this take. Yeah, because that's going to put, you know, you think about Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina. Yeah. Two of those are out. They're not in the playoffs. Yeah. Only one rep from the from the, the East. And one rep from the West, which maybe, but I just eh, – the NFC is so good and competitive to think about a healthy Aaron Rodgers not getting his team to the playoffs, but the Bears making it. I like the upside of the Bears, just yeah. not not in 2018. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, 2019 is the year that that should gel, but you never know. Yeah. Mountaintop scouting has got our last take of the day. Denver goes 8-8, eight and eight, but fires Vance Joseph, who probably would have the time of his life at 8-8. Eight and eight. <laughs> Can't talk about Vance and not mention the time of your life. And will ultimately draft Justin Herbert with their first round pick. If you're going eight and eight, where does that slot you in the draft order? 12, 13, 14? Probably ceilings 16, 17. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you're getting Justin Herbert in there because of the. Good trade up. They can move up for him. But he didn't say trade up. No, they didn't. If if they're going to sit in their natural draft spot going eight and eight, I don't think that's rich. Or I don't think that's going to be good enough for for Justin Herbert because I think he is going to be prioritized because he's big, strapping kid, has mobility, pocket passer. I was out at Arizona State last year, and the scouts that were out there it was the end of September last year were already talking about Justin Herbert, raving about his arm talent. When I was there, uh, s- sitting and standing amongst them in the press box and on the field before that game, which Arizona State ultimately won. So he's been on the NFL's radar for a year now. And um, barring just a catastrophic season, I don't think that's going to hit him in play there uh, for the Denver Broncos were they to go 8-8. Eight eight. I think that the statement's not unreasonable, right? I mean, you talked yeah. about Denver yeah. as, as a potential playoff team in, in a show last week. So do I think that Denver can get to eight wins? Yes. Yeah. Do I think that they could still fire Vance Joseph? Yes, I do. 
And do I think that they could prioritize getting Justin Herbert and have a way for him to be the starting quarter or the, you know, their first round draft pick in some way, shape or form next season? Yes. I think all three of those things are, are certainly not a, a far-fetched, crazy conceptual idea. And, um, you know, I think that Vance Joseph does need to have a great season this year and we'll have to see how it all plays out. But I think conceptually that's a perfectly fine statement. Yeah, I agree totally. Any parting thoughts for the folks before we sign off? Oh, parting thoughts. Um, keep, keep it here on draft news, man. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Hit that, hit that subscribe button. Swing over to the draft network. Check it out. John Ledger put out his mock draft yesterday. Uh, it's your boy Kyle's turn next week, which I'm not looking forward to whatsoever. Uh, but I will be up next Monday for the mock drafts. Uh, each analyst is going to be putting out a mock draft. Joe, that means you're next. Yeah. I got two weeks now. You got two weeks. Uh, each one of us will be putting out a mock draft before the start of the college football season. So that is on the horizon. So swing on over, check out the draft network, hit that subscribe button and stay right here on draft dudes. As Joe said, uh, let us know how we're doing. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy takes on takes. If you want to give us takes on takes for next week, uh, you can hashtag takes on takes and at us on Twitter. Joe is at the Joe Marino and I am at grinding the tape. Kyle Crab signing off with Joe Marino. Thanks so much for listening to the draft dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.